1: If You're a Christ follower today. Understand, these three things are foundational. Love, faith, and hope. Remember, Paul wrote in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, he says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So here's what you want to understand. Here's what Paul's saying to them. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Remember, I'm speaking to you. Same thing Paul's speaking to that church. Look at the next statement. Paul is thankful for their three healthy growth traits, their
0: faith, their love, and their hope. There are a lot of things that Christ followers sometimes seek after. Fame, position, recognition, and even wealth. When people try to achieve those things in the name of God, only bad can come out of it. Pastor Mark is teaching about the characteristics and signs of a healthy church. You'll discover that trying to toot your own horn and serving God are opposites, Pastor Mark will be illustrating that God's looking for people to be his tool to show the world the evidence of a changed life. You'll learn that when you do things God's way, everyone benefits the church, yourself, and society at large. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 as he continues his message, prayers, and thanks for a healthy church.
1: Lord, let us hear your lessons Second thing is thankful. Sometimes we never think about thankful with prayer. Here it is. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2. We always thank God. See, when we thank God, what are we doing? It lets him know we appreciate him. Thankfulness in prayer has to be a normal part of our prayer life. There isn't anybody here that doesn't like somebody coming up and say to you after you've done something, thank you, thank you. You like it, I like it. It encourages us. Now, I'm going to give you four reasons. There's hundreds, but I'm going to give you four reasons to thank God when we pray. You might want to write these down and try them tomorrow morning. Maybe one of these every day this week. Just get in the habit of including thankfulness in your prayers. Here's number one. Thank God for the people... In our lives. What was Paul doing? He was thanking God for the people in the church, how they'd grown. They were such babies, but they were moving along. Let's be thankful for the people that serve us. I'm saying thank you to you. How many were thankful for the people that helped you in from the rainstorm with the umbrellas and all that? Did you stop and thank the guy and the gal in the parking lot that are soaked through? Oh, I don't have time for that. We just move right along. When you finish today and you go pick up your children, you know what a good thing to do is? Thank the people that are serving your kids today. They're hearing about God. Sometimes we just forget, but we all like to hear a word of thank you. That's just a normal thing in our life. So number one, remember, we're a family. By the way, you might say this to yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm thankful I'm part of this family. Come on, right now, I'm thankful. I'm part of this family. Are you? Would you rather be sitting on the street? No, you're thankful you're what? Part of a family. We're just this big family of God. We're just one of millions of families of God. What a joy. Number two. Watch this one. 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Here's what you want to do. Thank God because he cares for us. You know what the enemy will say when you're going through a difficult time? Your anxiety? The enemy will say, here, uh, where is God? Yeah, He didn't know anything about this. He could care less. Let me remind you, Satan's a liar. If you're here with anxiety, give it to the Lord. Why? Because he cares for you. He loves you. You can leave this room different than you came in. You can leave in courage. Because you've been reminded that God cares for you and your needs. Next, do not be anxious about anything. I don't know why Paul wrote that. Nobody's ever anxious, but he wrote it. (laughs) Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with what? Say it with me. Thanksgiving. Present your request to God. Thank God that we can present our request to God. God isn't up there saying, sorry, busy, too many people online, not interested. Call me back next Friday at 3. I love to know that I can call on God anytime, 24-7. He doesn't sleep. There is no time in heaven. You have an access to God 24-7? That's powerful. So thank God that we can present our requests to God. Next, John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Here's the fourth thing to be thankful for. Thank God he answers our prayer. Now, if you're new to the church, you might go, "Whoa, I like that verse. I get a new car, just ask God, it comes automatically? Absolutely. Top of the line, leather, everything. No. What that means is if it's his will. We are not a prosperity thing. Name it and claim it. Now, God answers prayer that are in his will. You don't want a prayer answer that's not in his will. But if it's in his will, it will come. Notice, thank God that he answers our prayers. Amen. Once again, here I am standing before you. He answered your prayer. Okay, good. Now, look at verse 3. I want you to circle three words in your verse. We continually, Paul saying, remember before our God and Father, your work produced by your faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Circle those three words, faith, love, and hope. See, these three qualities, Paul was reminding them, He's already seen them. Timothy already told us. These are foundational. If you're a Christ follower today, understand these three things are foundational, love, faith, and hope. Remember, Paul wrote in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13, he says this, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So here's what you want to understand. Here's what Paul's saying to them. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Remember, I'm speaking to you. Same thing Paul's speaking to that church. Look at the next statement. Paul is thankful for their three healthy growth traits, their faith, their love, and their hope. Now, really, there's three or four week sermons right there, but I'm going to give it to you in a general way, because that needs to be in your life. If you're a Christian, understand this is a foundation in your life. Faith, and you'll see in a moment, we couldn't have been a Christian without God giving us faith to believe. Then love, God is love. And number three, hope. Now, when these Jews and Gentiles became Christ followers, they were instantly forgiven of their sins. By one thing, God's grace. And look how it is. The Holy Spirit came into them. They didn't do it by works. But when the Holy Spirit came into them, God had already assigned for each of them, each of you, some good works to do. Look at this verse in Ephesians 2. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, It's a gift from God, not by our works that no one can boast. So when you became a Christian, everybody becomes a Christian. You never can earn your way to God. It's God's grace. It's his unmerited favor. And the belief to putting faith in God, I trust you, God, that's really a gift from God, too. He knows you want to be a follower of Christ. For we are God's workmanship. Stop and look at me for a moment. Many people think when they come to Christ, all they want, basically... It's fireproof. Here's my fire insurance. I'm going to heaven. God says, "Uh, no, you're my workmanship. The word in the original language is you're my poem. Here's what happened. I have things outlined for you. I have things for you to do. And you're going to use and become more like Jesus. It's not just getting to heaven. No, no, no. That's not the way it works. Notice what he says. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So those three words that we talked about, love, and as you saw that word love right there in front of you, you saw the word faith and you saw the word hope. We talked about those, but here's the way he puts it. Watch what he does. Thankful. He's thankful for their faith that works. James, Jesus' half-brother, said, faith without works is dead. In other words, if I believe that Jesus changed me and now I've turned my life over to him, I'm going to do things to minister to other people. I'm going to grow myself in because I'm thankful for him. I'm going to impact the world. I'm going to try to be salt and light and I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to make disciples. I'm going to do whatever. Notice faith without works is dead. No, if it has works, good things. So what Paul is saying is, thank you. Can I say to you, thank you. They were pleasing God by doing good works. They were helping others. They were encouraging others. The kingdom of God was growing. Second, Paul says this, I'm thankful for their love that labors. Now, that's interesting. The word love is God's word. It's his love. It's self-sacrificing love. Now, the word labor, sometimes we don't like that word. Hardship, toil, cost. These new believers were willing to give them themselves. If it, even if it was difficult, it cost them to do one thing, to serve other people. Basically, here's a term that Paul was thinking about. When Jesus came to the earth, he made a statement in the book of Matthew. He said this, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve you. See, he was trying to share with them, this isn't about you. I came to serve you. You know, many years ago, I called a church, and and they answered the phone. How may I serve you? And I went, ooh. So I got all the secretaries together. I said, this is what we do from now on. You don't answer the phone. Hello? I don't have time to help you right now. Goodbye. They would never do that anyway. So if you call the church, here's what you hear. How may I what? Serve you. Do you like that? I like that a lot. How may I serve you? This is what Paul was saying. You're not sitting around just thinking about, you're doing work. You're a love that's going to cost you. Do you know if you become a Christian It will cost you. What did Jesus say? If you're going to follow me, you have to deny yourself, take up your cross, which means his will, not yours, and follow me. Did it cost Jesus anything? He went to the cross. That's the only reason you're saved. That's the only reason I'm saved. So he's talking about a love that's going to cost us. It's right there in front of us. I want you to see a picture. When we asked you back in November to get those boxes of love ready and send them to the Haiti places. We, had, we sent two different places of uh, people we're related to in Haiti, uh, Christian people that we support. And we sent those to all these kids at both of those places, uh, Danita's place and Pastor Serge's place, who was part of our church before he started the big church in Haiti. And I want you to see what love that labors looks like. I want you to see. Here's pictures we just got. There's thousands of pictures, but I'm just showing you about four. Now think about these kids. Without us, there's no boxes. There's no gift. There's no Christmas. Did it cost you to fill a box? Yeah. Cost you 10, 15, 20, 25 bucks to fill a box. Am I right? Did it cost you any time? Especially if you took your kids and they wanted to pick it up. Cost you a lot of time. Am I right? Here they are. Is it worth it? There it is. Next. Take a look. Take a look. Hello. Is that worth it? You'll never see these kids. I'll never see these kids. It's not about us. Because we tell them this is from loving people from God. Look at the smiles. Don't you like it? I think it's great. Here's another one. Take the box away. You have nothing. It cost you. But we loved them enough, you guys did, to send the gifts. Awesome. One more. <laughs> Look at this guy. Here's trouble right there. You can see it coming. That's fantastic. See the smile? Thank you. Give yourselves a hand. Come on. Give yourself a hand. Why do we do that? So you can see. That love is going to cost you, but it's worth it. And when those kids open those, they know that we're making God look good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's what Paul's saying. He says, you're impacting the kingdom. Thank you so much for a love that labors. Here's the last one. He says, thankful for their hope that endures. See, hope was about the second coming of Jesus. They knew they were pilgrims. They knew eventually they would die, but they didn't understand end times. People that already were believers now that had died, they didn't, and that's what we'll catch later. What happens with that? Now, hope in the world is a very different world than a Christian world. In the world, here's what some of you are saying right now I hope the crazy New England Patriots don't win again. Don't email me. I didn't say it was me. I just said that common thing. <laughs> Here's what hope is in the world. It's not, I hope something happens. Here's what hope is. Confident expectation. Anticipate with pleasure. You know, when we're going through difficult times, they're being persecuted. Peter's thrown into jail. All those kind of things. Who knows what's going to happen to all of us. It's great to have the hope. The firm foundation. We are going to end up in heaven with a new body and a good Lord that saved us by his grace. That's that's our hope. Do you realize, do you realize outside this door, every unbeliever has zero hope? Zero. They have no clue what's going to happen. Again, live here now, live there forever. Now, remember, as they were experiencing that persecution, Paul just says, I'm so proud of you. Thanks for your faith that works. It's not just, well, I got saved. My faith is here. I'm not doing nothing. No, thank you for doing the good works that God has given you. You're salt. You're light. You're building the kingdom. Thank you. And, And basically, a love that labors. You're serving other people. Thank you for serving. Thousands of you volunteer in our campuses. We could never, we could never do church without thousands of you. Very few people, very few people are unpaid staff compared to you guys. This is amazing. Thank you. And then he says this. You have a hope in spite of the persecution you're going through. There's a hope that endures. It's not like this. You know it's coming. Thanks for being that way. Now, think about this. These people, after they received the letter from Paul, they didn't go and said to each other, I wonder what Paul thinks about us. No, they knew that he what? He was proud of them. He loved them. He was so excited about sending a letter and say, I want to encourage you. He absolutely knew when they finished, those people went, wow, Paul's proud of us. Way to go. Can I just stop right here and say for myself and all the pastors and all the elders... We're proud of you. You're a growing church. We're all growing in different ways, but you love God. Thank you for what you do. And let me just challenge you. Some of you are going to take a step of faith pretty soon. You're going to get in a small group that you never thought you'd be in. Do you know what? Some of you this year, next year, you're going to go on a mission trip. Not to MIMS. A little farther away. And when you come back, you'll be a changed person. Some of you are finding a new way to serve. All kinds of things coming up. Thank you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. We couldn't do this without you. And when Paul left and they finished with that letter, they were encouraged. That's what I'm trying to say to you. We love you. It's a joy. It's a privilege to serve you. Basically, our pastors and our elders, myself included, we just lay down our life to serve you because you're laying down your life to serve us and others. That's what we do because our role model is Jesus. Amen? Now, by me saying that to you, don't get it wrong. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about the God that changed me. The only one that needs to be worried for you and I, nothing to worry about. He's in control. He holds the whole world in his hand. And so is there anybody here that needs to be worshipped? No. Only one. Our God. Our creator. That's why we're here. It's not about us. But I wanted to tell you personally, because sometimes I don't thank you enough for all you've done. And, And I'm just so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you. Now, Watch what Paul says. Look at this verse, verse four. Dear brothers and sisters, that God loves you and has chosen you to be his own people. So when Paul writes to him, he finishes this verse. It wasn't really a verse then. It was just part of the letter. And he says this. I know, I want to encourage you. I know how you became a follower of Christ. Here's what I want to say. God loved them. As sinners, they didn't know anything about Jesus. The Jews didn't know anything about Jesus. Of course, the pagans knew nothing about God or Jesus. Here's what Romans 5, 8 says. But God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. He died for us. You know, God didn't only love them. He chose them. That word is elected. He elected them to become Christ followers. Everything we see through the Bible, we see election, and we see another term, free will. Don't worry about arguing about it. We'll never really understand until we get to heaven. But what Paul is saying to them is this. I'm so proud of you because when I shared the gospel with you, that you could be saved, that you could have your sins forgiven, that you could get a brand new start. When I shared that with you, you chose to accept the invitation God gave you. He's chose you already to become a believer. But you by your own free will had to say, "I believe, I repent, I put my faith in Jesus Christ." That's how they became believers. Paul knew that was the greatest decision they ever made in their entire life to choose Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Every one of you, if you look back over your life, there's never a greater decision ever because it's for all eternity. That decision you made after hearing the gospel in a church, from a person witnessing to you on television, whatever, that was the greatest decision you ever made. And if you made it right, you never regretted making that in spite of all the crazy stuff that happens. Never. It's the best decision in the world.
0: Today, Pastor Mark taught more about prayer and praying. He said that you should be adding thankfulness to your prayers, thanking God for all he's given you. He also taught about the importance of trusting God and putting all of your cares and worries on him. He used Paul's writings to try to show you the importance of hanging tough through hard times as a Christian. This wraps up Pastor Mark's teaching, Prayers and Thanks for a Healthy Growing Church. Next time, he'll begin his teaching Transformed Christ Followers Impact Their World for Christ. He'll be talking about the explosion of information in the world and how without the proper application, it won't produce transformation. He'll also speak about your place in the battle of the two kingdoms on earth. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Ballmer
1: In a hurry